0: This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit slash excuse to start your free trial membership.
1: This is Writing Excuses, Season 6, Episode 30.
2: Help! I can't end my book! <laughs> 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry?
3: And Howard's the best whiner in our group. <laughs> yes, I am!
2: Okay. Oh, um. I don't know. <laughs> Oh,
3: I, it. I have I've been five kids. By I, Mary I should be
1: again. the best whiner. I hear it all day. Uh, okay, uh, kids, we're and I all work at a home. whiners.
2: We should have been fifteen minutes long because we haven't had lunch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, this is okay. the
4: last episode for season seven, so it we really need six, to knock this out of the park.
1: Six,
3: season
4: six. That's right. Howard has and to seven. <laughs> Surprise, no, guys! We. This
3: is the last episode ever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Happy New Year <laughs> um we are now moving actually um, to a ending our seasons <coughs> at the end of the year rather than just making up hey, we're gonna end it now, so from now on writing excuses, we'll start in January for a season and end in december um and one of the we decided to end with this one number one because it's thematically appropriate with endings, but also because repeatedly the one of the biggest questions we get, even though we've kind of podcasted on this before is. People having trouble ending their books. Help,
3: endings. I can't end my book. Yeah, we endings, hear it a lot. Yeah,
1: endings seem to be the, the most baffling part. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start throwing at the um, podcasters a few problems that I see new writers running into. And we're going to give advice if you happen to be in this situation. Um, the biggest one I, I, I hear is I've written myself into a corner. This means I'm at the 90% mark or maybe the 80% mark through my book. All of my characters are spread out in different places. Um, and I've given them these huge problems to overcome, and I don't know how to uh, overcome them without doing a deus ex machina. What do you t- say to this person?
2: Well, I have two ways of handling that, because okay. I have done that myself. Um, way number one is to go ahead and do the deus ex machina, and then to go back
1: okay. and, and layer in everything it. that
2: I need so that it is not a deus ex machina. Okay. But I look at the situation, and I'm like, what do they need to get out of this? He needs a razor blade. Okay, how could a razor blade have been in this scene already? Yeah. And then I go back and put it in. And I'll put brackets. I don't stop then. Right. I bracket, establish razor blade earlier. Bracket.
1: Yep. I actually write, I've said this before, remember a bucket. Um, <laughs> as yeah. a Bill and Ted reference. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll get Them that if you remember. the garbage can. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> so th- that's one way. The other way is that I look at it and go, well... You should, have put, should not have put them in the corner mm. and I will, I will tear out the words and I'll write them into a situation that I can get them out of.
1: I, um, I do something very similar. Um, now I'm an outliner so I'm running into this problem very infrequently but I do run into it because um, often you do need to discard your outline when something better comes along and a really great conflict will occur to me and I'll say I, have to, I just have to go there. But how did I, then do I overcome this? Um, and I'm usually doing the remember a bucket, but what I'm trying to do when I get into this situation say, okay, I need to come up with the first couple of things that my readers will come up with, the first couple of things I come up with, and I need to toss those aside. Um, yes. And because I want to I go deeper. I want to have something that's really um, working. And what I'm, not looking, what I'm looking for is not just, oh, I want this to be extra surprising. The reason I'm wanting to, quote-unquote, go deeper is I'm looking for ways that it ties better into the characters, and to the world, um, and to the plots I've already established. I don't want just something that um, the, 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 the problem with the deus ex machina is that coming out of nowhere, and it's not just the foreshadowing. It's that it doesn't relate thematically. Yes. Um, and so I'm digging for that thematic connection. Um, and that's what I'm, I'm, And that's sometimes really hard to come up with.
4: I look for the smallest possible change to the circumstances there in the corner. What's the smallest thing I could change that, uh, that leaves one of these characters the opportunity to exploit something to turn the tides okay. so that I can turn this around? What's the smallest possible thing that could happen? Maybe it's the bad guy doing something dumb, in which case, you know, well, go back to our dumb characters episode. Right. Um, you know, that's going to have to be foreshadowed. But yeah, maybe it's the razor blade. I don't know. But I look for the smallest possible thing that could happen and make that happen because what that means by making the smallest possible change to the circumstances that means that the characters still have the opportunity to step up and be as big as they can possibly be which is really where you want them at the end of the book you want them to be overcoming something that seems insurmountable and if you built something that's actually insurmountable well okay you know shave just a little bit off the top yeah but make them jump for it yeah okay
2: i, I ran into this with glamour and glass that i had written him into a corner um, and then did a little bit of research and discovered that, because I'm writing historicals, that uh, the chicken wire that I had built the mm-hmm. entire thing around doesn't exist yet. Right. And, um, and suddenly it was, I, I was like, oh, I am, I'm not just in a corner, but my room has no doors. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. Which do? reminds me of... Um, it would I, give spoilers, wouldn't yeah, it? it
2: yeah. Well, no, I actually can talk about it without, without spoilers, but the advice that I got was actually from Russell Davis, who was uh, the, the previous past president of uh, Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America, and he said, look at the setting, mm-hmm. look at the environment, and look at things that happen naturally in the environment, and see how your character can exploit them.
3: Excellent. Very Dan, cool. you were going to add something. I was going to say um, that I ran into this exact problem with, uh, I'm not a serial killer. I got to the mm-hmm. end, and the ending just absolutely didn't work. You were in my writing group at the time. I was. That that first ending just did not work. It didn't fly. It relied on a plan that was ridiculously precarious, and I couldn't think of a plausible way for John to kill a monster, basically. Yeah. And uh, so what I, th- you know, the the two things I told myself were, I have to change this so that, A, it is true to his character, and as true to the beginning of the book and in the first chapter specifically if possible um and then also i just need to put people in danger i need to create a better sense of danger which to me said we have to go back to his house and we have to put his mom in danger right so adding that extra level of tension um made the story stronger which in turn just kind of fired my imagination a little bit and got us going and uh yeah enabled a good ending
1: you know i think um just keeping on that um reading this there are a couple of things you did there and this is actually i think a different problem related to what we're talking about but some people get to the end and their their ending is just kind of lukewarm um this Mm -hmm. is less riding yourself into a corner and more your ending lacks dramatic um, power and i think you added drama but you know something else you did that was really interesting is i think you simplified um i remember there being Mm -hmm. a really contrived plan
3: oh really
1: contrived Um, and you, you kind of snipped the fat off the sides and streamlined it, Mm -hmm. um, and said, well, why do I have to have this contrived plan? I don't have to be as contrived. And, but you know, one other really important thing you did is you wrote that ending anyway, and then you added tension and then you took out the contrivances rather than getting frozen and paralyzed at the 90% mark, you wrote it poorly and then you fixed it and it became a really powerful ending.
3: Mm-hmm. Luxury. Luxury. <laughs> well, and specifically, one of the things that was, was a big revelation for me and was a big help to me, and maybe it would not work for every writer, but like I said, looking back and rereading the first chapter and thinking, how can I have the resolution tied directly back right. to what he's doing here and how yeah. he's doing it? Um, whether or not it helped me solve the problem, it helped the ending itself gain a lot of weight because it feels so full circle-y.
2: Yeah, and that's something that I was going to say is that the the resonance, that whatever it is that you use in the ending, whether it is getting the character out of, you know, the corner or or whatever, that if you can tie it back in, if it is something that your character uses more than once. Right. uh, Particularly if it is something that comes from the very opening. Right. That it's going to create an emotional resonance and a recognition and a sense Mm -hmm. of completeness.
5: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only, new customer offer, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: Let's go ahead and stop for our book of the week. Um, Mary, you are going to promo a book for us, or a se- sequence of books.
2: Uh, yes, I was like, what, what am I talking about? Um, and That is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Now, Audible actually has two different versions of it. Um, and you can listen to Stephen Fry read the entire thing, or you can listen to the original radio show. Now, For those of you who don't know, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was originally written as a radio show. And if you, if you pick up the uh, annotated scripts... One of the things that they talk about was that Douglas Adams was absolutely convinced that they were going to be canceled. So he decided to end on a bang, and he threw everybody out the airlock.
1: <laughs>
2: Much to his surprise, the series was not canceled. <laughs> and he had to come up, come up with a way to get them out of that.
1: Yeah. These, these things Hello, are Hello, infinite improbability really drive. drive. Yeah. No, really, these, these original radio dramas are just Beautiful. They're hilarious. They're interesting. And if you are an Adams fan and you've read the uh, book and haven't listened to these, I think you'd be really surprised at some of the contrast and so how, how interesting they are.
2: Yes. And there's a lot of things that in the books that started as ad-libs in the radio show.
3: Uh-huh. hmm Yep. Adams would very cheerfully change the story and everything from every version. Yep. When he did the radio show, when he did the BBC miniseries, yep. the books, the movie. Yep. He's just like, yeah, throw this in. It sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, how can they download these, Howard?
4: Ah, head on out to com slash excuse. You can kick off a free 14-day trial membership and download The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, narrated by Stephen Fry, or the original Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy radio plays, and, uh, and help
1: support the podcast. All right, um... Let me throw out another problem people have with endings um, that, um, you know, we hit the most pernicious one. But I think people run into this one without realizing quite often that is the, the worry that um, their highlight of their book happens at about the 75% mark. And then their ending comes across, not because it's a bad ending, but is overshadowed by things that happen um, right about the beginning of Act 3. Mm-hmm. Um, and this happens uh, with, with people in my writing group. Um, uh, our friend Kaylin complains about this a lot. How do you stop the highlight of your book from well, there's, being...
3: There's two big reasons, yeah. I think, that, that the highlight comes early. One is that you have your kind of major problem show mm-hmm. up and just be a lot more interesting than the solution you eventually have for mm-hmm. it. Or you're trying to cram too much falling action after what should be the climax. Okay. So I'm going to let other people I, resolve those uh, I
4: finished a short story recently, and uh, I, I did a reading of it at Dragon Con, and when I talked to people about it at Dragon Con, I pointed out, this story is broken. Um, you know, Now that I've read it to you, uh, the, the story is broken, and what's broken about it is the first half of the story is far more interesting than the second half. Um, it has this exact problem. Yep. The, the end of the beginning is more interesting than the end of the end. And I solved the problem uh, in, I'm going to give you metaphor rather than the whole story. Uh, you know, you, you're pulling the trigger on a gun, and then we are watching the bullet, and then we're watching the bullet strike the target. And what I had was the mechanics of pulling the trigger in the gun were far more interesting than watching uh-huh. what the bullet does. Um, what I did is I carved up the story in such a way that we are watching the operation of pulling the trigger. It's magic, so now the bullet can be moving at the same time the trigger is being pulled. Um, we're watching the operation of the gun at the same time we're watching things happen on the target, so that the big moment, the big fun moment in the beginning of the story is actually hitting at about 90% in the story. Right. And we can cut to the ending, and it all flowed very, 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 very naturally. What it's a much I think stronger is, story that way.
1: It is happening here um, is that people think their focus of their story is not actually the focus of their story. For example, Mm -hmm. they think they're writing a mystery, but um, readers are finding the character interaction, the relationship more interesting, and their focus is really a romance with a mystery subplot. And so they think that, all right, I need to clear up this romance, and then together they can solve the mystery that is the big plot, where really what you need to do is reverse those. You need to have the mystery get solved, and in doing so, The characters come together for the romance, Um, and this is this is habitually a problem when readers are making their villain more interesting than the protagonist, or they're making some feature of the world more interesting than the mystery or the um, the fight that they think they're writing about, and that can be solved very interestingly or very compellingly by usually just saying, okay, you know what, people love this world. Let's make the climax have to do with the setting instead of with mm-hmm. these um, this, this character interaction.
4: I solve this problem a lot lately with um, alpha readers. I sit down with uh, uh, Bob Defendi, Dan Willis, uh, my brother, my wife, and we go through the first two thirds of the Schlock Mercenary book we go through some of my outline for the ending and then I ask them flat out, okay, what are the promises that you felt I made to the reader in early strips? And they will pull out punchlines and things that I thought were throwaway gags that Mm -hmm. were perhaps far more interesting than than I thought they were Um, and I look at that from, you know, from my alpha readers and I realize, oh, that completely recolors my approach to the ending and as a result I get much, much stronger endings. I found that you know, endings that would have fallen flat are far more interesting because now I'm doing exactly the sorts of things that we talked about. I'm pulling elements from the beginning and putting them at the end when that hadn't occurred to me. Um, But the process, pulling alpha readers through the beginning of the book, not asking them how to end the book, but asking them what are the promises that I made to you. I'm going to decide how to fulfill that promise, but you tell me if you think you've been promised something.
2: Yeah, and this is one of those things where... uh or since Scott Card's Mice Quotient, which we've mm-hmm. talked about in other podcasts, yep. comes in very handy for looking at the structure. Yep. I always think of it as, um, like, nesting code. Yep. If, you, if you start with a mystery, you need to end with the mystery. If, but if you have that romance in between, you have to wrap the romance before you wrap yep. the... And if your mm-hmm. romance
1: is more interesting,
3: then you, you, you may want the to quote. reverse the code. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, one way to <laughs> make an polarity. ending yeah. <laughs> really powerful, especially if you're having this problem where it peaks too early Tuck or whatever... What? Tachyon's. <laughs> <Tech-yons. We're> reversing <laughs> polarity. But oh, keep going. We need left- reflector dish. I am going to talk about science fiction. Okay. Uh, the first Matrix movie. Okay. For my money has one of the, the coolest endings I've ever seen and it's because they take three different plots mm-hmm. which is Neo loves Trinity, Neo becomes the one and Neo stops the bad guys. Yeah. Um a an action plot, a romance plot and an inner character plot and resolve them all in a single scene. Mm-hmm. Yep. Any one of those plots if they had tried to resolve it earlier would not have been nearly as strong by itself. But doing yep. them all together becomes very powerful.
1: And I was going to say one of the, you know, you kind of stole the words of my mouth. Uh-huh. Overlap your character conflict and your plot conflict yes. into the same scene will, will be a great way to just have a wonderful POW moment. And if you're mm-hmm. having
4: problems with your endings, you know, go back and listen to our Lou Anders episode That's, with the Hollywood yeah. formula mm-hmm. because that formula is a perfect tool for helping you recognize... Uh, where that scene happens where you need to pack all that yeah. uh, resolution
2: one thing that I also want to mention uh, that I thought of when Dan was talking about too much falling action is that a lot of times what will happen is that um, you have the big climactic moment mm-hmm. and then you have the explanation yeah for everything that happened and you really need to b- make sure that when you get to the climax the reader understands what happened yeah. So that you, if you have to explain anything, it's only, like, one or two things. Right. But you, you know, preferably,
3: like, one. Mm-hmm. Keep maybe those one, way
0: down. And n- preferably not yeah. even that.
3: You want to see this done really poorly, one of my favorite movies of all time is Psycho, which gets to its end. It has its big, fantastic ending, and then it has, like, a 10-minute speech by a psychologist explaining everything. Right. And, you know, even... Film buffs will look back and say, that was just such a weird thing to throw in there. And it just kind of throws everything that off. That movie
1: needed Lou Anders' printer. It probably, um, <laughs> it, it, it probably was one of these um, uh, darlings that was hard to kill. Mm-hmm. Um, if you watch The Sixth Sense, one of the deleted scenes, is a that sort of thing that had to get killed. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway... you um, I'm going to let this cast go just a little bit long. It's our last one of the season because there were two things that our, reader, our listeners mentioned about endings um, in a previous podcast that they asked us about. So I'm going to quickly throw these out, and let's talk about them. Um, one was someone asking, um, how do you decide when to abandon your formula or your outline to help your ending, and when don't you?
2: When it's not working,
3: um,
2: <laughs> which is not particularly helpful. Yeah.
3: When um, you come up with something better. Okay. The point at which it's not working is not the point to abandon it. Uh-huh. It's the point to start really thinking about I, I, it. Once you get something better, then throw it away.
4: For me, uh, when I was writing uh, *Longshoreman of the Apocalypse, mm-hmm. um, the ending I had planned uh, did not have the entire space station you know, threatened by, uh, by destruction. And mm-hmm. as I went through this stuff with my writing group and talked about promises made to the readers... Um, Bob said, "You've pretty much promised. You've pretty much promised us that the whole station could be destroyed in a simple accident." I said, "I, yeah, I know it could, but if I do that accident, I have to blow it up." And Bob said, "No, I'm pretty sure you could punch a hole in a horrible, horrible place in this space station and still manage to save everybody." And he was throwing down the gauntlet. He was saying, "You can make this a lot worse before you make it better." And that was the point at which I realized I need to depart from my outline. I need to introduce some more pieces so that I can punch a hole in the space right. station and then have the longshoreman
1: save the day. Now, I don't know um, if this will be of help, but I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a heavy outliner. do a lot of outlining. I have really never kept an ending completely as I've outlined it. I like to have explosive endings. People, you know, things that feel like they've been plotted from the beginning. And even I... Usually toss the outline by the end. Um, I keep parts of it, and so I'm going to say almost every time you're going to end up deviating by the time you're at your ending, and just be okay with it, yeah. no matter how strict an outline you are.
2: I have a short story right now that has had five different endings, and I'm still not happy with it.
1: Um, now, the second question, I think I'm in a can of worms because it was, how do you then set up a satisfying ending with sequels? How do you, how do you be satisfying mm-hmm. and then leave sequel? We should at the talk same about time? that. Next season. Yeah, we'll talk about that next <laughs> year. <laughs> which for us will be in about ten minutes. But no, after lunch. <laughs> no lunch. I'm eating a freaking hamburger. <laughs> All right, Dan, um, bring us our last writing prompt of the season, Ooh. of the year, and, and help. I
3: can't end the season.
1: <laughs> so, okay. what do you have
2: to come up with?
1: Dan needs a hamburger. Yes. Yes. You need
3: to write a story
1: about Dan needing to get a hamburger, but all the things that stop him from getting to this hamburger.
3: And then in the end, I don't get a hamburger, but I get something far more satisfying.
2: Christmas leftovers.
3: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I was thinking of chili relleno, but... (laughs) But that'll uh, work too.
2: Yeah, it's really, yeah. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> Mama choose. all the writing. Oh yeah. Uh,
3: excuses. I'm came sorry. We're going to start
4: naming restaurants we love. All right, that's we not are completely
3: wanted. out of excuses. <laughs> yes. And thank thank so you for you.
1: listening all season. We'll see you next year. Um, go get some writing done. Woo!
0: If you aren't familiar with Locus magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror.